Hello, and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay Arena, United Methodist Church. We think it's important, not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, uh, please visit our website, fvumc.org, for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hey, everybody, it's great to be together with you today. Uh, We're going to continue on asking the same question this week that we started asking last week. And that is, what if we scattered the goodness of God like glitter? What if we, as a church, uh, scattered the goodness of God like glitter in our church, all around our church and all around our community? You know, so often uh, it feels to me like we have this assumption we operate with that if we're going to do something meaningful uh, in church, if we're going to do something meaningful for God, for Jesus in the kingdom of God, that that thing has to be big in order to be important. And most of us uh, don't think of ourselves as, as big and important people, big enough to do big and important things. Uh, the good news is that most of the people that followed Jesus around in his hometown, the region of the Galilee, uh, they weren't big and important people either. Uh, they were just like us. Uh, they were folks uh, who weren't big people who had the capacity to do big things. Uh, they were just normal, everyday, ordinary folks. And Jesus regularly had to remind them, like I hope we can be reminded, that in the great economy of God, like in the way of Jesus, when, when we do small things, that magnify God, when we do small things that make God famous, when we do small things that point people in the direction of God, God magnifies the things that we do so that they can have incredible impact in the kingdom of God in the lives and hearts and minds of the folks uh, that we show up and serve, uh, serve with, serve alongside, serve as friends and neighbors. The passage that we're going to read in just a second is a passage of scripture that sometimes we use to talk about big people doing big things. But when Jesus says these words, he's not talking to people with a lot of access or power or authority or capacity to do big things. He's not talking to big people. He's talking to ordinary, everyday people just like us. But he's inviting us to do something that matters. And so I say that because I think it's helpful to remember who he's he's talking to here. Jesus is, uh, this is his Sermon on the Mount. It's like his most famous sermon. Uh, And his disciples, those who've been following him, kind of all gathered around. He's not talking in the presence of his detractors and naysayers and enemies. He's not talking uh, around the elite people that are in power trying to change who they are. He's he's talking to us, right? And I'm going to use us and we to talk about followers of Jesus. Uh, I certainly would count myself uh, in that camp, and I hope that you would as well. So he's talking about what it looks like for those of us who are followers of Jesus, like what it looks like for us to be shaped and formed in a particular way for a particular uh, purpose. As we read this passage, um, I, I think it's uh, part of the reason that I say all this is to say, like, uh, we've been talking about glitter, what it looks like for us to be glitter. And glitter is not big. Glitter is little. It's a, it's a combination of a lot of little sparkles, right, that show up on a page or wherever. And, and glitter has this incredible capacity to just get stuck in every corner of everything that it touches. And you know that it's there because when nothing else around it is, 
It's the one little glimmer reflecting light that catches, catches your eye, which is why we're asking, what does it look like for all of us to be glitter? Normal, everyday, ordinary people showing up and reflecting the love of God in the places that we live, work, and play. What if we could scatter the goodness of God uh, like glitter? Uh, here's the portion of scripture we're reading. is from Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16. Jesus has just switched from the first point he's made, which is all made in the third person. He's talking about what it looks like to, to live in the way of Jesus, to be a, a person of the family of God. And uh, the, the word church doesn't really exist yet, right? We're not using that word to talk about what it means to be followers of Jesus yet when he's talking. But he's shaping and forming the ethic and the identity and the character and the nature of what we call, have come to call a church over time. And then he turns from speaking in the third person to speaking in the first person plural to the people who are sitting right there in front of him. And among other things, he says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, so it can give light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your light, see your good work, and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus says that we, as his followers, are called to be light to the world. What kind of light is Jesus talking about here? Like, what what is uh, what kind of light might we be uh, asked to be here uh, in this passage? And you can just kind of uncover some things, you know, as he as he speaks them here. Uh, we're called to be the light of the world. Now, keen listeners are going to recognize immediately uh, that in the Gospel of John, Jesus is called the light of the world. So Jesus clearly isn't telling us it's our job to be Jesus. What does it mean that the light of the world is asking us to be the light of the world? I think first and foremost, before this is a commandment, it's an invitation to participate in the work that Jesus is doing. And he kind of carries this on. He says, you know, a lamp on a light, a lamp in a house is intended to light the entire house. You put it on a lampstand so that everybody in the house can see everything in the house. You're not going to cover that over with a basket. That's not the point or the purpose of light. We're asked to be light, but not just any light, light on a purpose in partnership with the purposes and the work of Jesus. I also think that this city on a hill bit is kind of interesting, right? Jesus says here that a city on a hill, it can't be hidden. A city on a hill is not a light reference. It's be light, be light like a lamp. In between those two things, we have this bit about a city on a hill. I mean, I suppose at night, maybe there's torches or something and it's getting lit up. But like, this is like Jesus, they didn't have street lights. There were like a ton of electricity in the city on a hill that Jesus is thinking about. Um, so what is, what's that all about, right? Uh, the, the idea of that city on a hill is that it can't be hidden. Even if it wants to be hidden, it can't be hidden, right? So a city on a hill can always be seen, which maybe is helpful if someone's trying to navigate their way there. Uh, but it could also be a risk because you kind of try to hide from your enemies. But if you're on a hill, they you know right where you are, right? Good or for ill, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, which means that if we're light in the world, if that's who we're called to be, it means that everybody sees us. It means that everybody sees us, how we show, how we show up, right? What kind of light we bring, it matters because we can't hide that light. It's not hideable. Uh, and it's going to reflect, it's going to reflect back on God. And what we want is when people see our light to give glory to our father in heaven, to become a part of the family of God. That's the kind of, so that of this passage, right? That's the type of light we're, we're called to be. It, it occurs to me that most of the time when we say we need some light, we don't just mean we need light. We mean we need just the right light for whatever purpose it is that is called for in that moment. I mean, the wrong light at the wrong time can be hugely problematic. My kids, they love a good nightlight, right? Kids do. Uh, nightlights have that capacity to like chase away overactive imaginations. 
Um, and I can remember, uh, you know, as a teenager growing up and like loving to, to sleep in, uh, and by as a teenager, I mean also now, <laughs> um, and I like to be woken up gently from my slumber, just the right light at night and just the right light in the morning. You know, the, the gentle light that streams through the blinds, uh, dapples the, the walls with shades of pink and gold and, and, and warms you from your slumber. Uh, now compare that. Uh, to the light that sometimes I give when I get frustrated and I walk into a room uh, because we're not up yet and we've got to get going. So I just throw the lights on and I say, get out of bed. That light may be effective uh, at getting people out of the bed, but that light is harsh light. It's cruel light. It's bitter and brutal light. It's light that may accomplish a particular purpose, but is not building a beautiful relationship, you know, as we go through the day. It's a rough way. It's a rough way, right? The wrong light at the wrong time can be hugely problematic. My kids love to pay me back uh, for doing that by turning on the lights in the car at night while we're driving so they can read or play or see or whatever they want to do. But I've got their life in my hands and I now can't see out of my car because their light is on. The wrong light at the wrong time is hugely problematic and a terrible miscalculation on their part, right? Um, but by comparison, there is this light in my car. It's this little dot of a blue light, like right you know, kind of above my right hand shoulder and it shines down on the console so that I know which, like all the, all the knobs and buttons kind of light up in the blue light. Now for four years, I drove the car and couldn't figure out what that light did. I thought maybe it was like to talk to a, a garage door or something like that, or maybe it's satellites, you know, in some sort of technology package that we don't have. Four years in, it finally occurred to me that that little light for the last four years has been doing its job humbly, gently and faithfully casting just the right light on the dash so that I can see the buttons and knobs that I need in order to navigate the world around me, the car in the middle of the night. And it's, it's just the right light for me to be able to see those buttons, but not to get in the way of my ability to see the world around me outside of the car, right? Um, it's, just, it's just the right light. The wrong light at the wrong time is hugely problematic. The right light, just the right light for the right purpose, though, makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference. Um, not to add insult to injury, but I, uh, we lost our power last week. I don't know if y'all did the same, but it was gone for like 10 hours uh, in the storm. Uh, and it, it didn't come back on in the middle of the day, which would have been awesome. Because uh, as soon as it went off, you know, great weeping and gnashing of teeth <laughs> goes up. And what are we going to do? We just have to talk to each other. Life is terrible. Um, the fact that it came back on in the middle of the night, while frustrating, is also evidence that somebody was up in the middle of the night fixing the power so that I could have lights. And so if that was you, thank you. Thank you so much. But in the middle of the night, right, all the lights come back on at the same time. And uh, it's been kind of prepping for today, <laughs> prepping for this moment. And say, oh, this is a perfect example. This is a perfect example. Like Alexa is like, cannot connect to the internet. And we're panicking and the alarm system that doesn't connect to anything. It wants to let us know that it lost power. It's beeping. All the lights are on. The fans come back on. The TVs come back on. It's like we were under attack. So um, I rolled over and put the covers over my head while Chambliss ran around the house turning all the lights off. But the wrong light at the wrong time is not, not super helpful, right? Uh, it's just the right light for the purpose that we're, being, uh, that we're being asked, the purpose that we need. And so we don't just need light. We need just the right light. You with me? So what kind of light is Jesus asking us to be? What is the purpose of the light that Jesus is asking us to partner with him in providing to the world. I suppose there are many places that we could turn to answer that question. Uh, plenty of places in scripture that could give us uh, an answer to it. But one that sort of captivates, um, has captivated my attention 
uh, comes in a series of stories that Jesus tells, not when he's just with his disciples. I mean, they're also there. Um, but uh, his detractors, his naysayers, his his opponents are also around. The Those in authority, those in places of power who are criticizing the way Jesus is carrying himself, the people with whom Jesus is choosing to associate and hang out, uh, the corners of the community where Jesus is finding himself uh, reflecting the love of God. And they don't like, they don't like how he's doing it. And so he tells this, this series of stories. And in the middle is, is a story about a woman who has 10 silver coins, each kind of representing a full day's wage. And she's lost one. And Jesus says, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. I mean, it, it kind of calls to mind this image of a woman, you know, holding a lamp on her hands and her knees, searching around and like every hidden part of the house to find her treasured possession. Jesus then asks us, like, isn't this what God is about? And so if this is what God is up to, like, wouldn't we do the same thing for a coin? And if we would do the same thing for a coin, what would we do for a child of God that's gone missing, right? A child of of God that's not a part of the family of God. And Jesus is basically reminding all of those with ears to hear uh, that that's exactly the mission that Jesus is on. That God... Uh, fully enfleshed in the person of Jesus, is on hand and knees, searching every corner, every crack, every crevice, every shadow of every part of every house to find the treasure child that has been lost, that has wandered away, that is not yet a part of the family of God, that has not yet found themselves back in the fold. Jesus says that's what, that's what he's up to. That's his mission and ministry. Now, interestingly, uh, Paul later in the New Testament uh, preaches one of his most famous sermons uh, in Athens, and he talks about how God so desires to be found, that God is so regularly active and alive and at work in the world around us, so that even if we're fumbling like we fumble through our house in the middle of the night in the dark with no light, that we might stumble upon God. And that we're for, if we're stumbling through the world spiritually blind, we don't even know what we're looking for, we're very likely to stumble across God, to like to find God, to see God, to recognize the presence of God in these places. And that doesn't make what Paul has said untrue, but I think what we hear Jesus saying is that our God doesn't just desire to be found. Our God is a God whose nature and character it is to go and find. And here we have Jesus inviting us into that work. And we have a woman who doesn't just go blindly fumbling through her house in the middle of the night. But we have a woman who lights a lamp. Who lights a lamp. Just the right light for the purpose of finding. And I found myself wondering, what if we are the lamp that she lights? What if we're the lamp of an uncommon kindness towards our neighbors? What if we are a lamp of unexpected forgiveness and peacemaking in our families? What if we're the lamp of unrequested generosity towards the stranger and unmistakable hospitality to all who have need to be welcomed and belong? And what if we are the lamp of incomparable grace, reflecting the love and the way of Jesus in all the places that we live and work and play? See, we're not just invited to be light. We are being invited by Jesus to partner with Jesus to be just the right kind of light. Light with a purpose. Light in the hands of a savior searching for a treasured child. Just in the same way that someone 
came searching for us. Friends, how we show up, it matters. The wrong light at the wrong time can be blinding, problematic in every sense of the word. It can cause chaos and pain. It can be harsh and it can be cruel. Just the right light in just the right way can be beautiful. What if we could scatter the goodness of God like glitter in all the places that we live and work and play? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see the character and nature of this searching Savior, that they can see the nature and character of God reflected in your life and give glory to your Father in heaven. Find themselves as a part of the family of God. So where today can we make the choice, each of us individually in our own places, to be a light bearer in every corner, every crack, every cranny and crevice of the room? Where can we reflect the love of God? And what have we received that we now have the opportunity to share? Let's go be like glitter, scattering the goodness of God like glitter in all the places that we live and work and play. Go be just the right kind of light. See y'all next week. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Varina area. Um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.